Welcome. So glad that you're here. If you're watching online, we're so glad you're with us. If you're in the room, come on, welcome everybody who's watching online. Uh, some of you taking in those last few days before back to school, some people from all over the world, and we're so glad that you are with us. You know, we, we are taking some time over these next few weeks, and we're running parallel with our kids' ministry. And uh, I love that we're doing this because uh, if you do have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews that are in the kids' ministry, or maybe you take some of the materials we have and you go over those things with kids in your life, whether they're yours or somebody else's, uh, it, it's fun to kind of go over the same material uh, from a kid's perspective in kids' ministry to an adult perspective here, uh, whether you're watching online or you're in the room. And in our kids' ministry, there are five key concepts and we covered uh, one last week. We, really, we dove into that. The second we're going to dive into t- today, we talked about exploring the Bible in week one. And today we're talking about knowing Jesus. And so that graphic's on the screen right there in front of you. You can look at, this is what our kids' ministry, this is kind of our, our, our ethos around kids' ministry that Throughout the year, these are the five tenets we want to adhere to uh, and make decisions as we lead kids every single week. And I love the intentionality, and I want us as adults or young adults or teenagers to be intentional about our growth. And what we know is that we are challenged to be uh, return back to an innocence about our lives. Return back to what Jesus intended. And we covered some of that last week when we talked about returning and really understanding scriptures. But today we're going to talk about actually knowing Jesus. What does it mean to know Jesus? And so if you are a Christ follower, you're going to be like, yeah, I've probably heard this before. That's great. And maybe you have, but I want you to have a lens of, am I actually doing these very things? Right? And if you're here exploring faith or you're new to faith, these are great questions and things to think about as you grow your faith or grow your knowledge of Jesus. So here is, here is how we word it in kids' ministry, and this is going to be the basis for us today. Know Jesus. We need to learn about who Jesus is and why he came to earth. When we talk about Jesus and his place in our story, or more accurately, our place in his story, it helps us believe helps us understand, helps us take ownership of our own faith, and helps us live for him. One really important caveat is this, as we talk about knowing Jesus today, is knowing Jesus is not a concept to grasp. Although there is part of that that is conceptual and understanding, but it's not merely understanding through, through uh, a cognitive process of knowing Jesus and reading his teachings, but he's also a person to be experienced. And it's really important for us to know that because Jesus' desire, God's desire, is to know us as we know him. It's a true relationship. Think about a time where you were in a relationship, maybe you are currently in this relationship, where you wanted to get to know somebody or they had no, and they had no interest in getting to know you really. Think about a time somebody really wanted to get to know you and you're like, how do I get out of this situation? And that might be you as well. And I'm creating a really awkward moment for you right now. But that happens in a true relationship is a two-way street. Two relationships. One person is getting to know the other and it is returned in favor. And that is the desire of the one who created us. Not just to create us and set us into motion, but to create us and have relationship with us in the same way we feel about our earthly relationships. Now, 
If you've ever uh, been married or you, and you chose to have children or, or you were adopted children or you're fostering, maybe you're grandparents, maybe you're, you're an uncle or an aunt or whatever the relationship you have with children, we at times want to pass on our passions and our perspectives and we want to ingrain those into our children. And uh, a lot of those things are, are, are not bad things. They're actually really good things. We want to pass down the values we have. Some of us have a value around faith. We want to pass down the knowledge of Jesus. And so we're raising our kids in church. And, and that is great. Uh, and we're partnering with you in that. Some of us want to pass on the ideas of family values and how family is really important. It's do or die. You are my ride or die. We're always going to be together no matter what. And some of us have cultural insights. Maybe it's a language that you speak or the heritage that you are raised in and it's part of your DNA. Some of it's, it's, it's hard work and ethics. I want my kids to work hard. I want them to be good people. I want them to have morals. Some of us, it's about education. You got to have a great education. You got to really push hard, and you got to you got to study, and you got to read. I mean, we're going through that right now with my with my son. I mean, he's a really good reader, but he doesn't want to read. He gets the book, and he reads the back, and he sees the cover, and he's like, "I got it, Dad. I got the concept." I mean, what do you mean? He's eight years old. He'll get on my phone. I googled about the book. No, that's not the same as reading it, son. It's not the same. We have these things we want to pass on. And so, you know, last year, uh, my son, my oldest son, Carlos, who works here at our North Campus, sometimes you see him out in the parking lot. He is a great man. He's a great young man. Oh, man. You guys, you guys know him. He knows a lot of you, and he really does love you. And he was a senior in college. He's about to graduate. And I said, son, you know, as you grow into adulthood, I want, let, let's build up some sort of rhythm or some sort of tradition that you and I can do as you grow into adulthood and have your own family, have your own kids one day. And so uh, I, like many of you, want to pass down the love of sports, right? And so I told my son, Let's, let me take you to Mecca, not in the Middle East. I'm take you to Mecca. Uh, we're going to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. We've seen Michigan play before, but never in the big house. And so last year we went and we had, we had our pilgrimage. It was great. We celebrated. It was a big win. We took it all in. We had good food. It was awesome, right? But it, be, it went from a concept, the concept of watching the game from the privacy of my own home to being in a stadium with my son. That he's now, he was 21 years old at the time, and we waited 21 years, and all the hours we spent together, and all the agony losing all those years of the team below us. I don't even like saying their name, and I'd be careful because our sound man is from there. And so, um, but to be in the house, it, it was like everything I ever spoke about it being a kid growing up in Michigan and then in South Texas, but keeping my ties to Michigan. Like it all culminated so much so that the end of it, instead of it being a tradition for he and I, at the end of the weekend, my son looks at me and he says, Dad, I know we're trying to do this thing between you and I, but I really think we need to bring all, my, my, all our family next year. And I was like, that's cool. That's really cool, right? Like this cool experience because he went from a, a concept to an experience, to wanting to share that experience once he realized the truth of it with the rest of our family. So in my mind, I was like, yay, let's bring our family. How much is that going to cost? Oh my gosh. 
I just said yes. I didn't think about it. You guys know me. I'm a cheapskate. So I saved up miles, and guess what? I'm looking at flights all year long, and guess what? It's not going to cost me a dime except for the game tickets because I'm miles, and I'm planning it because I want the rest of our family to go from a concept to an experience. And if I'm willing to do all of that for the game of football, with a bunch of 20-year-olds with tights on running around chasing a pigskin. <laughs> we break it down. It begs the question of my wife, Libby, and I. It begs this question. Do my kids value the words I speak about Jesus? Because they're going to have this great experience in a few weeks. And we're going to have a great time. And I know it's going to exceed their expectations. But if I do all this work and all this effort for something that, if we're being honest, is inconsequential. The value of all of that is the family bond. The value of all of that is that we build some traditions. But the fact of who wins and loses a game is inconsequential. People move on with their lives. It does not affect my day-to-day life. And yet, Jesus impacts my eternity and their eternity. And do my kids understand the value of my words when I speak of Jesus? And you know what? It even goes one step further. Do my kids for themselves hear and know and trust the words of Jesus? It makes me think of how Jesus describes himself. This imagery he uses in John chapter 10. We're going to take two sections. We're going to read it as though it's one, but it's really two sections. Here we go. The, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And and I, I love this imagery, and yet sometimes that can be tough imagery for us because some of us have never had somebody who would go above and beyond for us. Many of us watching online or watching later on during the week or listening to the podcast or in the room right now, you've had to fight for every last stinking thing in your life. Nobody's fought for you. Nobody's trailblazed for some of us. And so to hear this concept that Jesus went before us doesn't really connect with our everyday lives because some of us think that we are self-made. And in many ways, some of you are self-made. You started businesses. You paid for your own way to go to college. You did whatever it took to get to wherever you are right now. And yet when it comes to your soul, when it comes to your heart, when it comes to why you were made and being fearfully and wonderfully made, there is no self-made person. It is through a partnership and relationship with Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus is saying this, I'm the good shepherd, and I want you to know me so you can trust me. I laid down my life for the sheep. I would rather die than trample on some of them. And so here's the question, do you know Jesus? 
Some of us would proclaim we know Jesus. We'd tell others about Jesus. And you'd say, yes, I know Jesus. I understand Jesus. I am following Jesus. And there's some of us who are exploring or we're just not really there. And that's totally okay. My question for you is, are you open to knowing Jesus? And I think many of you are because you're really actively searching and trusting a place like Gateway to answer some of those questions. We talked about last week with Alpha. A place that has no shame for you to bring your questions and your doubts and your fears and your concepts about church and God. It's such a safe place. And thank you for trusting us with that journey. I'm so glad that you do. But have you ever experienced, those of you who know Jesus, not just the idea that you're not going to hell. Have you found life and freedom in knowing Jesus? Reminds me of growing up in the 80s. And uh, I wasn't old enough to go to youth group, but my dad was the pastor, so sometimes I got to go to youth events. And I went to a very traumatic event in the 80s. Some of you grew up in the 80s. Some of you grew up in church in the 80s. Some of you are going to be appalled about what I'm about to tell you. I remember one Friday night. uh, I can't even say the name of the night because it's politically incorrect. Nobody would say it nowadays. We went to this night. And then it was publicly, it was all over the place. My dad put in the newspaper. My dad was one of those pastors who wanted everybody in the community to come to everything that we did. And they had a bonfire night. And it wasn't just any bonfire night. You were going to bring the most reprehensible music you could find that was in your house. There There weren't CDs back then. I don't even know if there were even cassettes back then. I think there were records. And people were bringing their Ozzy Osbourne. And the Black Sabbath. And they're poison. I like poison, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then my dad's two least favorite artists in the culture. My dad did not like Madonna. Oh, my gosh. My dad said, Esa mujer, like a virgin? She's not no virgin. I was like, oh, dad. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then Michael Jackson. Straight from the pit of hell, Michael Jackson. And I saw all these teenagers bring all this music and put it into this fire, and it's like all of it's burning, and they're giving up all this music. And I'm like 10 or 11, like, I want that music. You're throwing away a lot of really good music. Because they were responding to a fear based connection with Jesus. If you died tonight, would you know that you're going to heaven? If you died right now, do you know that you're right with Jesus? I mean, this is the culture I grew up in, and guess what? That's actually a valid question, just so you know. (laughs) But the way it was done for so many people brought fear into a relationship that's supposed to be beautiful with Christ. But here's the question that wasn't asked. What happens if you live? Do you know how to walk with Jesus? So for a whole decade, I was asked, when you die, when you die, when you die, and nobody really asked me, what happens if you live? Do you know how to live with Jesus? John 1 says this. 
And by the way, John, who's, who's writing the book of John, he is John the Beloved. He is one who spends time with Jesus. He is the one who's one of the closest three with Jesus. They have this tight, they basically have a bromance. Like they are close. They are really close. They are tight. And he says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was God in the beginning and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus here. And made his dwelling among us. He comes to earth. He takes on flesh. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And he's saying that Jesus was fully God in the beginning and fully man as he took on flesh to the earth. And why does this matter for us? I mean, we could really talk about this for months and really dive into it. There's a lot of great resources that we can dive into. But here's, here's kind of the top layer why it matters. Because first, his divinity makes his teaching, his sacrifice, and his resurrection. It gives us the ability to connect to a God who is supernatural, who is not like you and me in so many ways. He is the creator of all of heaven and earth, and yet we have access to God. And then his flesh, who he is, is human, is because he creates a pathway for us that he knows our struggle. He knows what it's like to take on flesh and have relationships. He knows what it's like to have a mother. He knows what it's like to have a father. And we don't really know exactly what happens with Joseph, but we know that Joseph, his earthly father, is no longer with him in adulthood. So we don't know. He probably passed. He probably had loss. And I'm telling us to understand there's this divinity and this humanity, and we fight to really understand his humanity because of the rights that we give that we get in being fully human and understanding his humanity. I mean, and a lot of times we fight for basics rights through, through equality and equity and voting and clean drinking water and protection from abuse and all these things are good in some form or fashion. But the basic human right is for every man and woman and child to actually know Jesus. That is the basic right. John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And some of you are here in spite of humanity. Some of you are here in spite of people's decisions. Some of you are here and have survived in spite of circumstance. Why? Because God has willed it and his desire is for you. He knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. Scripture says he formed you and knit you together. I heard that one time and I thought, gosh, God, if you really knit me together, I wish there were a couple things you kind of done a little bit better. And yet, it's his intentionality towards us. And yet, Jesus is the only way to the Father. And here's what can be tough about the faith. Is that it is the most inclusive faith that all can come. Not born in a particular country, not a certain skin color, not a certain level of socioeconomic status. All can come, and yet all can come through the one way. Jesus. 
It's exclusive because it's through Jesus that we can truly understand who God is. In his fullness, God made himself known to Jesus. And Jesus then walks with us to know God the Father, which is why last week we really pushed through understanding Jesus through Scripture. And that's how we under, grow in Jesus, is to know him through Scripture. Acts chapter 4 says this, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the tension can be, well, why did Jesus have to die? Why didn't God just like make him float in the earth? He had a big cloud around him. That would have been so much cooler. But the, the reason why he died was because of me. The reason why he died was because of you. It was because of our sin and our shame. And he took it all on in our stead. We've talked about this before. In the Old Testament, animals were shed. People would admit their wrongs and they would sacrifice an animal, but it never fully covered all the things that they had done. And Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice. And I know that is a tough concept for many of us to understand. It really is. I shared this before. I was in grad school and, and uh, I had a, a, some, some friends of mine who were like, gosh, we don't really like the idea that Jesus died. We don't like the idea that he shed his blood. Can we rewrite the New Testament so he died a different way? Because I think my friends would read it better if it was a different way. But we don't like the tensions of understanding our own humanity and our limitations and our sin and that Jesus had to be the substitution for you and I. We like to think that we're just good. We're just good people. And yet there is no other way. And he loved us enough to take the difficult path, taking on my sin, my shame, my wrongdoing, so that I can have access to God the Father. Why? Because Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You were in need of somebody standing in for you. And he did it before you even ever knew him. John Calvin says this, If Christ had died only a bodily death, it would have been ineffectual. No, it was expedient at the same time for him to undergo the severity of God's vengeance to appease his wrath and satisfy his just judgment. For this reason, he must also grapple hand in hand with the armies of hell and the dread of everlasting death. And you're like, oh, well, why would God be that way? Because he loves us. Cares for us. You ever been with a little kid, whether it's your kid or somebody else's, and they run into the street. What's your reaction? Oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh my gosh, you're, you're going to get you're gonna get hit by a car. I don't want to yell at you because the culture says I shouldn't yell at you. And I'm not going to pull you by the arm because that's abuse. And so when you get hit by the car, you can say, I tried. I whispered as nicely as I could. That's not how my wife would react. She would get mad at the kid and the car coming down the road who stopped 20 feet away. You should buy kids in the street. And you're yelling. You're going crazy. Why? Because it, 
The love you have for that child, whether it's yours or somebody else, it, it wells up this desire. And people can take it as angry. People can take it as you don't care. But you stepped into the road and you grabbed that child and you may have dragged him 20 more feet. But you did it because you cared. And sometimes Jesus understands, not sometimes, Jesus understands God's wrath at times to protect us from ourselves. Some of us enjoy being yelled at. It's the only way we respond. Let's be honest. Right? Some of us, we don't like being yelled at. Totally respect that. My older kids are like, you never yell or even spank the, the younger kids. I'm like, because I told them to do it and they just did it. <laughs> what a great concept. I don't have to tell them to clean their room. Their room's always clean. But with you guys, we had to have different conversations. One time, Bella was five years old, and it was the end of her spanking night. It was spanking her. And one day, she turned around while I was spanking her, and she said, Dad, why don't you spank the white kids? I'm the only brownie. We should be on the same team. And I was laughing so hard, I could not even move forward. Left the room. And I'm seeing all of this, and all somebody is thinking right now is, he can't be my pastor, he spanked his kids. <laughs> and yet, do we understand that God's wrath is because of his love for you? God's judgment is because he wants to draw you near, not push you away. And it's our sin, our shame, our opinions, our way of doing things that pushes God away. And he went to great lengths to pull us in. Because John 15 says this, Jesus about himself, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And the good shepherd laid down his life for you and for me, and his death has the final word on our sin, that you and I are now not guilty. What a gift. So much so that Saul, first century uh, politician, theologian, had this encounter with Jesus. So radical was his encounter that he went from persecuting those who followed this Jesus to being one who gave his life to follow him. You know him as Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, and he says this in Colossians, for he, being God, has rescued us from the dominion, the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son, Jesus, he loves. And whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, blemish and free from accusation. We have access to be free of all those things that hold us down. And I asked you earlier, when you know Jesus, do you know the life and freedom that comes in Jesus? 
Have you experienced it? Because then we also know Jesus in that freedom through prayer. As we grow in our prayer life, and prayer is the place you, you, it's the most come as you are place. You think gateway is come as you are. Prayer should be come as you are. Kyle Strobel says this, prayer is not a place to be good. It is a place to be honest. Prayer is not a place to perform. It is a place to be present. Prayer is not a place to be right. It is a place to be known. Prayer is not a place to prove your worth. It is a place to receive worth and offer yourself in truth. You know, prayer is about you being fully yourself with a God who wants to fully know you. And I know some of us grew up with prayer meetings and going to prayer. And I've talked about this over the last few years. You show up somewhere and everybody looks, sounds holy and everybody's saying the right words. You ever heard that before? You're, you're talking somewhere and somebody just has all the right words when they pray and you're like, I don't know how to pray like that. You don't have to pray like that. You pray from your heart and your soul and you say the things that are honest about where you are. God meets you there. God meets you there. Why? Because he will never leave you. You can always trust him. You can ask him questions, and then you listen only to his voice. Prayer is where we become familiar with the voice of our good shepherd. You know, there, there are times I, I struggle, just like many of you. During the summer, I mean, I really struggled. I had a few weeks off, and you would think it'd be great. I struggled. I struggled. I was like, Okay, what do I do with my time? I, I'm a recovering workaholic, right? So what do I do with the few weeks off? And really struggling. So I went for long walks and I spent time with God. And, and half the time I wasn't seeing anything. But every once in a while I'd be walking, I'd probably freak people out. I would just start saying stuff. People were like, God, this guy probably has you know, some sort of disorder where he just talks to strangers. And it was like, no, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. And a couple times I caught myself like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, I was, I was trying to pray. And that probably made it even more weird. But the truth is, prayer is just where you are yourself. And where you then listen for the response for the one who loves you. And it takes practice. But we're gonna practice together. Why? Because it's important that we know his voice, John 10. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We know Jesus through prayer. It's something we are really ingraining in our culture here at Gateway. All of our campuses online. In January, we started with seven days of prayer. This August, we're growing it to 14 days of prayer. And in July of 2024, we're going to land at 21 days of prayer, and we'll do it twice a year. In January and August, some of our most busiest times around Gateway, and we're going to say, God, we're going to give you our best, and we're going to give you our first as a church. Not a lot of activity, time to pray. We have these journals. Most of them is going to be online. So make sure you have it online on your Gateway app. I have it. I used it this morning. I woke up at 5 this morning, and I just opened it up, and it was weird because it was my video, so I'm watching myself give myself whatever it is, right? But the rest of the weeks, the rest of the days are not me. It's other people. And I'm going to do it with you. We're all going to do this together. We're going to allow God to say, okay, God, in these 14 days, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give you our time. We're going to give you our heart. We're going to give you our worries. We're going to give you our desires. We're going to pray from our heart. And there's going to be a guide. We have some booklets, but there's few and far between. We really want to keep those for those who do need a physical copy uh, for whatever reason that they have. But follow along with me as we use the app. 
And as we go through this together, and as we, as we say, God, we want to know you through your son Jesus first. Because we can know him in scripture and we can dive into it, but can we know him in prayer? And as we, as we go and we end this service, I want to do something we did last week. We took a few minutes last week and we ingrained the message into our time together. Because I know we get all worried about getting to wherever we need to go. I want you to take a deep breath. As you walked in, you were given this little card. I want you to take it out. Some of you already filled it out. That's great. Um, if you need one, we may have some people who have some cards available, if not, as you walk out today. But I want you to take that card, and we're going to sing a song. And as they sing the song, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look, take this card out. And I want you to fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out. And when you turn it in today, there's going to be one that's public. You want people praying for that need. And there's going to be one that's going to be private. And only, only the staff and our prayer team, it'll be kept private, will not go public. We're going to pray over these things. And it says, how can we pray for you today? And so as we sing this song, I want you to fill out that card. How can we pray for you? Maybe in the, in the true spirit of back to school, you're worried about your kids. You're worried about the school they go to, or you're worried about whatever season that they're in. Write your kids' names down. Write the schools they go. Every, every Monday through Thursday over the next couple of weeks, we've got people in here praying. I'll be here. I go over all those cards, and I pray along with so many other people. Somebody will pray over your card and partner with you in prayer. Will you partner with us? And not just with us. Will you go before God and say, God, here's my heart today. Fill it out. Put as little as you want. Grab another one if you'd like. But let's grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is as we pray together. And we pray first. So as they sing this song, fill it out. And we'll give you some instructions here in a second. Let's pray together.